Um, and success from 1999, right here on Thursday's Morning Brew. As always at this time, I must invite you to join us on Facebook Live. Morning Brew is our page. We're up and running already as we say hi and good morning to our mate Steve Vines. How's it going? All right, you're, you're going to tell me what Facebook is after the programme. I thought I'd explain it to you. <laughs> Thank we'll you. have a Twitter about that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Steve. Right. So here we are. Yep. They've finally. Pu- I mean, this is this is this is just you you know, monkey business all round. They finally published the English version of the national security law. Now you may say, "I'll stop whinging on about when things are in English and what." Uh, that is the law of Hong Kong. It's a bilingual legal system. You don't put out a law with an unofficial translation made by a news agency. The, the, the I translation, guess you do, basically. Well, unless you do, but 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 the way that that the law works in Hong Kong, I mean, hollow laughter from the back of the room there. But the way that the law works in Hong Kong is that it is a bilingual system. But in this law, of course, not only is it not bilingual, not only couldn't they get their act together to produce an English language version until this week. But they've they've also stated that that in terms of interpretation, the law only allows the Chinese version to prevail. This is all, you know, I mean, let's get into the substance of the law, which is rather more terrifying as to which version prevails. But I'm just saying in passing, Mm -hmm. you know, that if you rush things as they have been rushed in this particular instance, all sorts of other things fall out. One of the things, of course, which, um, uh, you know... You, 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 it's one of those, the mouth opens and porkies come out, you know, without even thinking about it. Is Carrie Lam has said on more occasions, oh, did you know she's, apparently she's the chief executive um, who wasn't even involved in drafting the law. And now she said she sort of was because somebody once asked her, did she think it was a good thing? She said it was a good thing. But anyway, she didn't actually draft it. She didn't know it was in it, but she fully supported it. But anyway, in case you've missed all of that, don't bother. It's ancient history. But now she keeps saying, oh, well, you know, this law... I don't know why everybody's flapping around about it. it will only affect a few people. Everybody else will be secure. Everybody else is happy about it. She she bases that on, oh, that's right, nothing whatsoever. So let's w- look what's happened just this week. Let's not worry about, you know, acres of, of coverage. First of all, under the new law, all civil servants are going to be required to sign a loyalty pledge. Uh, that's Hong Kong. Where, where is it with that one? Is that absolute? I've been reading about it. Yes, but is no, that no, absolutely that will in, be, that will or be is hap- that being no, discussed? That, no, no, that will be happening. I mean, this is when you know no one is affected. That's 180,000 people. In case anybody had missed the numbers, there, Hong Kong's biggest employer will require loyalty pledges. Schools are are now told that they can't discuss this, that, and the other. They can't discuss politics. They can actually discuss. Indeed, they should discuss the national security law, which is. Oh, that's right. It's politics. So it's um, heads and So tails, what they mean is the you moment. can't discuss anything which disagrees with the government. Hmm. You can't sing uh, Glory Be to Hong Kong, the anthem of the protest movement. That's also considered subversive now. Um, oh, and libraries. You know, that's they've now started well, taking it? books off the sh- Well, it did. You're quite right. It did happen during the 1960s. They were taking books off the shelves then, and they're doing it again now. Um, you, you know, I suggest they they go the whole hog and start burning them in the street. You know, that's 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 how, also been how done decent, before. Uh, dictatorship works. You bring up a brilliant point, Steve, and I want to ask you about this overture. Uh, is it possible that what we're experiencing now is 
an explosion has happened and everybody's going, whoa, what was that? Yeah. And the explosion dissipates and the point has been made and we're talking pretty much business as usual. Pretty much like, go to sleep, darling, or the monster in the cupboard will get you. Well, of course, there's no monster in the cupboard. Are we going for effect here rather than cause? I think both. Okay. I think certainly. I mean, the fact that within a week you have all these things that I've just mentioned... And a few more. I mean, I can't go on and on. People have got to... Well, we can all read. It's all over. Yes, it's all over the place, exactly. (laughs) But, I mean, the fact that that this has happened so early, within a week of the new law being um, established, you know, a hotel taken over. It wasn't a very good hotel, incidentally. It had been taken over for use by the... It's a work of art, apparently. Their maps, (laughs) their their plans have been kind of leaked and they're very uptight about it because the thing is a work of art. Who knew? Who knew? There you go. Who knew? Um, Anyway... The, the fact that all of this has happened so quickly, so conclusively, does give you a hint that, that they were looking for impact. Yes. I mean, what everybody is now absolutely, I would say, petrified of is where, where it goes next. Uncertainty, if you, if you right? can, Well, uncertainty is the aim. I mean, this is how the law works um, in the mainland, is you, you, you create a set of vaguely worded rules which can be applied it can be deployed at any time to anyone. This is exactly what this law is. It's exactly, well, everybody says, including the drafters of it, this is a mainland law that doesn't even pretend to be a Hong Kong law, which has, as we know, very specific designations of what's legal and what's not legal. And I'll give you an almost brilliant example of this, which is the CNO herself, the chief executive in name only, was asked this week, whether she could give a guarantee, because she just said these words, that press freedom would, would carry on uninhibited. And, and it was mentioned to her that there'd been an exchange of co- correspondence with the Foreign Correspondence Club. And her response, I mean, even I, and I'm a man who's difficult to shock, almost fell off my chair when I saw this. I was staggered when she said, well, I can give that guarantee if, you, yeah. if, if the Foreign <laughs> Correspondence Club can give a 100% guarantee that, that, that journalists will not, um, <coughs> will not breach the law. I mean, let's just, just, just look at that statement. We're in a First funny, of all, funny room right now, she doesn't we? understand what the Foreign Correspondence Club is. She thinks it's like a Chinese media organisation that actually controls the media. The Foreign Correspondence Club can't even control whether people have a pint of beer at the bar or not. So, you know, let's, let's be clear. And, and ne- neither does it want to be in that position. That's the whole point. It's, it's, it's a place where people mingle. It's, I, apparently they drink. I, I don't know if that's true. But anyway, that's what I'd heard. And um, they, it, it's a centre for the exchange of views. It's a boozer with journos. <laughs> it's a boozer with very great pretensions. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a pretentious person, so I'm a member of it. I will state that as a, as a, um, a declaration of interest. But the point here is this. Is she doesn't understand how the law works. How law, no, not this law, how any law works. What you, what the way that the law works is it's supposed to be there to protect you, not to be weaponized against you. So a law-abiding citizen has to actually know what the rules are to be able to know whether they can apply those rules, whether they can conform to those rules or not. We don't know. We do know that the the law gives powers for (coughs) 
um, seizure of, of materials. Yeah. They can force um, organizations to take material off websites and, and other social media yeah. if they want to. They can force um, journalists to disclose the sources of their information. I mean, this list is already sounding pretty scary. So that's the stuff we absolutely that's know. That's the stuff we know. What we don't know mm -hmm. is, can you comment on the law? Is there such a thing as fair comment included mm. in this in this provision? We don't know. When asked, the usual answer is, well, it would be better if you just didn't do it. What? Yeah. What? So we don't know, for example, whether foreign media organizations who have been admitted to Hong Kong in a, in a quite liberal manner over all these years mm -hmm. will still be able to operate in the way they were because there's all sorts of What fears. would happen if they had to leave for whatever reason tomorrow? Let's go hypothetical for a few minutes. What would happen if it was bye-bye, door closed? Mainland China. No, what would happen? No, that's yeah, the answer. I, I understand. That's what would happen is, is you, you get into the, precisely the situation which you have on the mainland, mm. which is that nobody expects the flow of information to be unhindered and free. You have indeed got correspondence there, and as we know, there's recently been some expelled, but you do in, in fact have correspondence there because it's the world's biggest country and people have to be there. But nobody seriously will put a media centre on the Chinese mainland in the way that news agencies have been doing in Hong Kong mm. historically. Mm. Nobody seriously expects that you could have a, a, a regional headquarters on the mainland, as Hong Kong has been in the past. No one seriously expects that if you have a sensitive story, and I'll give you an example of a sensitive story, which was very sensitive, mm -hmm. which was the Bloomberg investigation into the assets of the families of the Chinese leaders. Of course, all of that was actually processed and um, produced outside of no. the mainland. <laughs> well, I know. But what I'm saying is <coughs> nobody seriously thinks that you have a free liberal operating environment there. Mm. But everybody had thought up to last week that such a thing would still pre prevail in Hong Kong. Okay. Once you start to limit the flow of information, censor the flow of information, as you know, people are very busy emptying out their social media so that prying eyes don't be uh, looking at what they've written and emptying out their mobile phones. But that's phones back to where we started, Steve, you know, the prying eyes thing, whether those prying eyes do or don't go under well, your hundred... they have powers to do it. We now know But what that. I'm saying is, yes, whether they do or they don't, <coughs> this is the, the monster will get you. So, well, the job, monster, job done. Well, exactly. I mean, well, the, the, the problem is the monster will get you and there is, you know, there is precedent for it. It's not as though no, no. people are panicking without reason. I mean, you, you, you see what's been happening on the mainland. It could happen here. Will we have the Great Firewall of China in Hong Kong? Actually, we don't know that. It may well be the case. Yeah. Will we have summary arrests of journalists for, for reporting the news? We don't know. Will journalists from Hong Kong be expelled on grounds that they work for foreign organizations? Maybe in a tit for tat? Yeah, is, as we've seen with the States and Canada, etc. I mean, all of these uncertainties are piling in. Mm. And of course, the effect is precisely what you say at the moment. It, it, it's, it, it's to scare the bejesus out of everyone. Right, back, uh, to, back to the thing I asked you about. I mean, absolutely. Point taken. You said mainland China. Yes, no question. I'm I'm interested in the dominoes falling on anything else in Hong Kong. Well, Me media, as you know, it goes pop, and then what? 
Well, I mean, let me just talk from my own experience. Let's not bother about anybody else, because, hey, Whatever. why should we? <clears throat> I have never had, since I've been here, so many people contacting me from media organisations saying, are you all right? What's going to happen? And saying, you know, um, we know what's going on there. Mm -hmm. In fact, they don't, actually, in detail, but they say they do. We know what's going on there. Um, you know, cover your back. Um, we're, we're, you know, we, 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 we want you to do stuff, but, but we understand how difficult the situation now is. This is what I call perception. If the perception of Hong Kong is, and increasingly is precisely this perception, that there isn't any border between Hong Kong and the mainland, that, that the words special administrative region mean as much as, as, um, autonomous region does in, in Xinjiang or anywhere else in on the mainland. If the perception is that this just has ended, the party is over for Hong Kong, who on earth is going to say, I tell you what, let's, let's play it safe and invest in Hong Kong as a centre. Who on earth is going to come to Hong Kong mm. with, 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 with anything but some fear, some trepidation? That's not the same as saying that everybody's going to start belting out the front door or belting out the back door. Sure. I don't see that happening right at the moment. But new people coming in, I would draw my breath on that and, and seriously question. Let's go to some social media while we still can. I want to say hello to Alvin, who's bringing up some interesting stuff. I've got an email from Alan, which I'm going to put up on our screen in a minute. Do join us on Facebook Live, Morning Brew. So David, who joins us from Melbourne, I think, in Australia, he said, I see social media organisations are leaving Hong Kong because of the law. Well, that's developing. But Alvin comes back and he knows these things. He said, if you are referring to TikTok, no tears need to be shed. <laughs> uh, Tom, hello, mate. He says with Australia... Can we just stop at TikTok? Because, I mean, TikTok is absolutely fantastic. Fascinating. Right. TikTok is, in fact, a Chinese company. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sure Alvin knows that as well. Zoom and but, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Zoom isn't a Chinese company. It just happens to have a Chinese boss. But TikTok actually is a Chinese company. And they are, I mean, I feel their pain, but I don't share it. I, I know it's no loss that, 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 that they're not operating in Hong Kong. Hmm. But, you know, companies now have to decide where they stand. Do they want to be in the world market? In which case, they cannot be in a situation where they've been seen to cooperate with the demands of a dictatorship. Or do they want to be in the Chinese market, which is a vast market, but is a very dodgy place to operate in for a media company. Now, TikTok, even though it's a Chinese company, has told the world that they actually want to be in the world market. So they're doing a great and PR so they're, they're, campaign they're, on the back of this. And, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, that's all, all right. I'm saying. Sorry to no, interrupt. No, totally but... cool. That's what, that's what we're here <coughs> for. Uh, let me read Tom. I don't know what he's... he's oh, sorry, we didn't get to the end of the He up. just said, with Australia following the US and UK on opening borders to Hong Kong, what can you surmise the, quote, repercussions from Beijing will be? That's been mooted as well. He said PR cards revoked, bans on Aussies, Brits, etc., being banned from China, and the SAR. Hold that thought, and I'm going to put up something on our screen now. It's an email from Alan, who just says, well, Rachel quit hosting Batchat because it was clear that the usual discussion on the programme could easily be construed as sedition under the NSL. Rachel did uh, come out with an explanation about that. 
anyone criticising the government, holding to ridicule, is liable to the full first force of this law. Alan says, you, me, Steve, we've all broken this law, as have 90% of Hong Kong people, so we now live under the sufferance of the CCP. If you annoy a bureaucrat, says Alan, if you offend any blue, he can make a call and you're arrested tomorrow. So Alan says there is no rule of law. Thanks for your email. Well, it, it, I mean, it is staggering the extent to which they're thinking of applying this law. For example, in LegCo, there is something called the Power and Privileges uh, Ordinance, which means that if you say something in LegCo, it's protected by, by the... Is or was? Well, is, because it's still on the statute book. But, but the question which you're just posing is, does, does that still exist, even though it's there as a law? So if you say something in LegCo, or if, as some members of the pro-China camp have suggested, you obstruct the work of LegCo, what they call obstruct the work of LegCo, which means um, stopping legislation going through with questioning. If you do any of those things, are you in breach of the national security law? The answer is, we don't know. <laughs> we keep saying that. We have to keep <laughs> saying that because we don't know. But yeah. the potential is there. How many people are going to be disqualified from being able to contest the election, in the, the LegCo election in September? We don't know. Yeah. Well, How many people will be thrown out even if they are elected? We don't know. Yeah. You might have answered the big question I wanted to come back to after the news, which is all the stuff, it's, it's, where, does, where does what's happening actually leave the Hong Kong government and LegCo, don't forget the elections, in terms of having any teeth whatsoever? Do join us on Facebook Live. We're going to be popping off to the weather and the news right now. Right, where were we? Steve was pretty interested in uh, Tom's comment there, so I'll read it again. We're on Facebook Live. Morning, Bruce. Some nice comments happening. Thanks, good morning and all that. So, Steve, once again, with Australia following the US and UK on opening borders to Hong Kong, says Tom, what can you surmise the, quote, repercussions from Beijing will be PR cards revoked, bans on Aussies, Brits, etc., being banned from China and the SAR, question mark. That's from Tom. Well, the answer, I think, that is all and none of the above. But, I mean, it is interesting... Usually what happens in these circumstances is, is a lot of huffing and puffing and countries say, oh, very, very bad violation of human rights, and that's the end we hear of it. Yeah. Now, these measures that are being taken across the world, Canada ending its extradition treaty... Is this real, real Steve? Well, this is yeah, real. This is real. Tell, tell us about Australia this. Australia is, is planning to do exactly the same. Tell us about it. Both Canada and Australia talking about offering refuge to Hong Kong people... Britain offering um, the right of citizenship to, potentially, to something like three million Hong Kongers. Now, you know, none of us who, who, who live here and love Hong Kong want to see vast numbers of people streaming out the door because they're so petrified as to what would happen to them. But you have never seen this. And using the word never hmm. is, is tricky because someone will say, oh, well, I don't know. I challenge you to find another circumstance in which this has happened, where you have seen so many countries, mm. even Japan, which which has had for, for, for ever since the Second World War, has had an absolutely dedicated policy of not trying to annoy anybody in the rest of the world because there was a slight problem during the war. Even Japan is talking about taking measures. 
over what's happening in Hong Kong. This isn't a mild response. OK, because it's usually the British government has raised its alert yes, we, to... We're a little bit concerned. We, we have, we have sent a very tough letter, yeah. and uh, Mr Xi Jinping we're really rather is, worried is, now. is, is, is obviously uh, reading it yeah. like not. No, but you reckon no, not this time. <laughs> well, and of course, the one country which I didn't mention in that list is America. So now, in America, not only do you have... And admittedly, you have a rather erratic administration there, so things could change, i.e. tomorrow. But as matters stand, I don't think things can change because the American response has flowed seamlessly across the political divide. If you can think of anything else in America that has flowed seamlessly across the political divide, I'd like to know what it is at the moment. So there is wall-to-wall -wall agreement, backed up by these recent opinion polls, both from Gallup and Pew, yeah. which suggest an, a, a, an unprecedented level of public interest in Hong Kong and indeed in China and an unprecedented level of hostility. Well, unprecedented since um, there was all the, the red square, the red scare with red China in the early days of the People's Republic. So I'm talking about unprecedented in the 40 years since China opened up to the, to the world. You've never mm -hmm. seen this level of hostility to the PRC. On behalf of the public, let, let, let's not even worry and about And it's about a lot of issues, too. It's business issues, it's financial, it, 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 dollar, and of blah. of course, it's COVID-19. And it's all come at the you same know, COVID. Did they, did they tell us the truth about that? Et cetera, et cetera. So all of this feeds into this great meshing machine. Yeah. America will, there's no doubt, will start imposing sanctions on individuals who, in the words of the new legislation, are deemed to have undermined the autonomy of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Their assets may well be frozen. They won't be able to travel. So you're convinced that they're not playing time. around? I don't think so. Okay. I think normally I would sit here and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we we've always have, haven't this. we? <laughs> yeah, we've heard all this before. This is a quantumly big leap, and it's something very different. All right. So I, I think that despite all the fighting talk of retaliation from China, you know, I will be doing this, we'll be doing that. Well, there will be retaliation. I, I have not a, a scintilla yeah. of doubt that got... that will happen. But, you know, there are people in Zhongnanhai mm. who's, who actually look at the world and say, do you know what? This isn't looking good for us. I mean... Look at it's look funny, at the we, we view it all as a massive amorphous blob, don't yeah. we? But there are but people. You look at the it. countries which are really, really close yes. to China. I'm thinking in South America. Who would you say was China's principal ally? I would say Brazil. Brazil. He's, he's busy at the moment. Brazil have a bad <laughs> problem. The president's got uh, got a disease which he says is a small flu. We'll see how that develops. Yes. Um, but but you know Brazil was all set to give Huawei a pole position in implementing um, 5G telephone network. That's almost certain. To I mean, be going is that now. really gone, or is it just being no, packaged differently? I, I, you I, know what I'm I, saying. I have a feeling that that's out there for the fairies. <laughs> who is China's principal ally? I'm not talking about people who've had bad relations with China. I'm talking about people who've had good relations. Who would be China's principal ally? in the European Union. That would be Italy, by far. Mm. Italy, the only country that signed up for the Belt and Road among EU members. Oh, no, sorry, that's not true. The only Western European country that signed up for Belt and Road among EU members. Okay. Italy was very, um, what's the polite word for it, miffed by being sent dodgy, dodgy protective, personal protective equipment. Yes, they weren't happy. In, in the great airlift from China. And very miffed. By, by the sort of response 
that this was met with by Chinese diplomats who seem to be suggesting as oh well, this is you know the Italians are so incompetent you know it's all their own fault you know this is not the way to treat your best ally in the European Union hmm. and then you have if you look down the famous Belt and Road which I do on a daily basis huh? may I say I've got pictures of it in my bedroom um, you look at the countries along the road who up to now have been singing the praises you know of development we're really clean, you know, we want that railway, we're absolutely bursting for a new container port. They're now going, hang about, hang about. This is expensive, this stuff. Yes. We've got to pay for it. Yes. You know, those loans didn't come <coughs> with a bargain coupon attached to them. This is really worrying. And what has emboldened them to start speaking about this, which didn't happen before the COVID outbreak, Mm. is precisely that. It's the credibility and the overarching feeling that China was, the, you know, the, the great big new thing. This has all now been sort of thrown into question. I mean, China can turn this around. I don't doubt that. I really don't. But at the moment, if I was sitting um, in Zhongnanhai, brackets, highly unlikely. <laughs> well, in the basement, maybe. <laughs> well, in the basement. Yeah, I wonder if they've got a basement in that hotel in Clausewell Bay. Anyway, um, you know, if I was in that position, I would be saying, you know, this isn't going absolutely wonderfully for us. Hmm. So, you know, they can hit out, they can, they can hold press conferences with these stern-faced spokespeople that they have going, wagging fingers and telling countries that they will resolutely have to rethink their blah, blah, blah. And then they've got to actually see whether yeah. any of this is going to work. Well, as I said, we forget the human element to a lot of these things. You know, there are different people with different points of view. The the, the, the front of any big country <coughs> is one thing, but we forget there are personalities. There are people there. Quick email from Douglas, which I'm putting up on our screen. You have to, I mean, take from this what you want, Steve. Douglas says, you have to instill hatred for the government through unlawful means. Criticising governance is allowed. People should read the bill. Just saying, says Douglas. Well, if the bill was that clear... If the bill was that clear, I'd say, you know... Yes. Yes, it isn't. What he's, what he's mentioning is, 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 is a clause that is contradicted by other clauses. Okay. What we don't know is what does subversion mean? The basic point of this bill is to combat subversion. Has there been a definition of subversion? Answer, no. Does subversion include criticism? We don't know. See, it's really confusing. Now. I've asked this question to, for example, on, on the Pulse last week, the uh, RTHK TV programme, I asked this question to Maria Tam, who's the vice chair of the Basic Law Committee. Right. In other words, someone who should be able to supply an answer. And she said to me, well, you can't have an answer for everything. But I said, but this is a basic point. Very important. If, if you want to prevent subversion you have to say what it is you want to prevent no the thing is steve you don't <laughs> really i mean you know. so you know i'm sorry you you know i understand what douglas is saying and i wish it was that clear cut hmm. it isn't just isn't hmm. so let's go back to where we started is this in fact the bag's gone pop everybody's reacting and things will just kind of uh, normalize a little bit because the point's been made well a lot i think of you're going to say a no lot, a lot of people are saying you know, now is the time to lie low. Now is the time to, 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 you know, we've had, we've had the scare. 
let's not provoke them into doing anything worse. The other argument is, if they believe in Beijing, that the population of Hong Kong, the notoriously rowdy and raucous population of Hong Kong has been subdued. What does a bully do when they've subdued an opponent? Yeah. They kick him in the ghoulies one more time. So let's see. I think the response to all of this, the international response, the response here in Hong Kong, will determine how the law is implemented. And, you know, it could be implemented in a lighter way than many people fear. That's the biggest hope. Or it could be implemented in a way that is as harsh as has been suggested by the law itself. We don't actually know the answer to that, but I think, you know, while we wait to find that out, that doesn't mean you wait and do nothing. Billy, good morning, who's just popped us a, a nice message on our Morning Boo Facebook feed. Thank you very much. He says, what about China sees this as a short-term pain and is counting on the long-term vision that countries will eventually try to tap into the honeypot of Chinese money eventually? Billy. Well, that was if I may say so... What it, you just said. <laughs> it, well, well, no, no, no. That was, that was precisely how China dealt with the fallout from Tiananmen in 1989. Mm -hmm. When, remember, China was not anything like the big player that it is in, in the world economy today. They, they, remember, diplomatic relations were, were suspended with all major countries after 1989. China sat it out. This is different. China isn't sitting it out. It keeps ramping it up. Well, perhaps it's going to sit it out. <coughs> well, well it let's, up. let's see where the, when that happens. I mean, we're, talk, point. We're, we're talking in week one, so who knows? But, you know, the fact of the matter is that countries will not wish to have no relations with the world's biggest nation. That's a stupid idea. Everybody cannot ignore China. I... You know, I, I, I don't think anybody seriously suggests that is the plan. Yeah. The question is, what are the quality of those relations? How will they pan out? And let's look at the sensitive points. Number one, obviously, is the diplomatic one. Well, that's at the moment going pretty badly for the PRC. But number two is, let's look at the economy. Yeah. A combination of what's happened in Hong Kong and the coronavirus outbreak has led countries who normally are too damn lazy to think about this to say you know we have all these supply chains linking ourselves with china we've got to extract the digit and see if we can um, diversify that that's a very long-term impact hmm. china on the other hand is also an enormous player in the financial markets what if china decides to withdraw it's massive gamble on the US dollar. You know, all these US bonds and what have you that are owned by the Chinese state, that's going to shake up the financial system. But China may say, well, we can punish them like, you know, like hell with all this. But it also means, and I think that this has got to be understood, well, yes, it may well weaken the American financial system, mm -hmm. but it may well strengthen the European financial system. You know, this isn't Everything isn't a two-way bet. There are other countries in the world. The, the EU collectively is a bigger block than the United States is. It's a fractious block. It's a problematic block, but it's a bigger block. So, you know, there's, there's, we don't know 
all of the answers to well we don't know i don't know all the answers to these questions actually i don't think anybody no, else does it's worth chucking around so <laughs> alvin answers billy's question he said honeypot you mean venus flytrap anyway the conversation goes, <laughs> goes on. on keep coming back to covid steve is that yes would we be having a different conversation it's kind of weird. It's two really weird opposing things have come together because of this force of nature. You're talking about well, lazy countries that wouldn't normally give a hoot, yeah. and now they're giving a hoot because I of think, this force majeure. I mean, you, you couldn't have dreamed this up. No. If, you, if you were someone writing one of those hysterical, you know, China's about to collapse novels, people go, oh, yeah, mass protests in Hong Kong, outbreak of a deadly virus affecting literally... Millions of people around the world. Oh, come on, you know, try and mm. try and make the story a bit more plausible. This is what's happened. I mean, there was a story going around that the reason that China was so f f um, keen to get the national security law on the statute books was they thought, oh, the rest of the world is distracted by the coronavirus outbreak. I don't believe that for one but nanosecond. Everybody's been saying that, of course. Like, <laughs> everybody's we, we been saying it, but I don't yeah. think that it's true. I think that they were very worried about the um, LegCo elections in September, following the district council elections at the end of last year, in which mm. the Democrats proved that, that not only did they have majority support in the community, but were able to, if you like, monetize it in, in terms of votes. Mm. And I think that China was worried that the same thing would happen in September. So they wanted a law in place to prevent that from happening. This which, is a Facebook theory, right? Kind of. But no. Who knows? <laughs> I don't, if I knew what Facebook was, it would definitely be a Facebook theory. No, yeah. but seriously, I mean, you, you know, no, nothing is for sure. But I think China had been planning this for some time. And it, it was a question of when, when to, to pounce. I don't think that the distraction theory is a good one but i do think this thing of you know bad news doesn't come in single digits <laughs> it comes in batches is clearly here now right. so people had a reason to distrust china because there is still questioning over the extent to which china was um transparent and indeed helpful at the crucial early stages of the outbreak this made people question then there was the question of could China be trusted to adhere to agreements and obviously what's happened in Hong Kong does put an agreement into big question you know is the Sino-British Declaration an international treaty which China says somehow doesn't exist I don't know how, it, how a treaty can somehow not exist but apparently not um, were the promises and pledges given in that international treaty worth the paper they were printed on is the basic law of Hong Kong a mini constitution remember hong kong never had a constitution before mm. is that worth the paper it's printed on and people are saying you know they've signed a document with us but what does that mean the other side of the coin was Can yeah we cash that in well the other side of the coin was we'll do this <coughs> way back when you know we'll do this dance we'll sign some things with these guys but it's ours anyway so let's just do a bit of lip service weather the storm and see you in well, 50 you, years you, you <laughs> could argue you could argue that from day one china never really was sincere about one country two systems you could argue that my view is that's not true i do think that in the in the middle 1980s china was interested in how it was regarded by the rest of the world it did need to gain gain credibility so then, in the international community and i think it was actually i think those agreements were signed with the best of intentions as china's become more powerful hey ain't that story changed all right, Steve, we're going to knock it on the head.
Talk to you next week. Thank you very much for your emails and comments on our Facebook page. I have a funny feeling we're going to be getting more and more onto these LegCo elections as the weeks go on. Steve Vines, thanks very much. 